Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Seriously, lighten up, people. See here, you got to work with me here. It's good to see all you guys today. I'm excited. Uh, you know, coming out of Easter and then and then last week and, and this week, kicking off a new series. We have Mother's Day next week, but uh, we're we're in this series. I didn't see Sal there. How are you, Sal? Uh, we have this series that we're kicking off the next four weeks, and it's this: What does God want? And what is the divine direction he wants to take you in? I mean, I've got all these questions in 23 years of, of ministry, and it's been around that. But let me, let me start with this. In 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, it says this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have had when living in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What does God want in our lives? You know, the most common question that's been asked in my 23 years of ministry is this. What does God want for me? What has God had for me? What is the direction? What does he want for my job or marriage or wedding or whatever it is? And, and time and time again, this is what people ask. And how the question that we have to play before us always is this one. What does God want in your life? And what would it look like if he got what he wanted? That's the question that we need to ask each and every one of us. And I, I want to take us through this, this time, the next four weeks, of really discovering what God's will is for your life, for my life, for, for our lives, because it's a huge, huge question, more so now than ever. Some of you right now have a significant decision to make in life. Some of you are sitting in, in this place of, okay, there's a decision that is so important. The problem is we live in this Netflix generation. You know what I'm talking about? It's this, that when I was in Costa Rica, I mean, you can only surf so many hours a day, and we're in the middle of the jungle, and there's, there's, there's no uh, TVs, there's no nothing, so it's wonderful. So what do you do? Netflix. And you surf Netflix. But I, I was thinking about this. It, it, does anybody go on Netflix? Am I the only one? Please tell me I'm not there. Everybody goes on It's overwhelming. There is so much there in, in, to watch or to see. They have so many selections. And, and it's a picture of, of this generation. There's so many selections out there. There's so many opportunities for dating apps, I hear. That's what I've been told. There's so many opportunities for uh, uh, jobs and different things. There's just, just schools and whatever. If you have the right money, you can go to any school you want to, it seems. But it, there's just these options and options. Seriously, you guys don't read the newspapers? Dear Lord, did you guys not have your coffee this morning? Come on. But this, this generation has option after option after option after option, which takes this, this question is what God wants in my life, and, it, and you really got to get real precise because there's so many options. And then the question becomes, what if I make the wrong choice? 
What if I choose the wrong job? What if I choose the wrong place to live? What if I choose the wrong guy or the wrong girl? Does that kind of mess up the whole, se- the whole thing? Did you ever think about that one? You know, the, the, the things we like to say as preachers, like, there's someone that God has for you. And I do believe that to be true. But have you ever thought if you miss the one that God had for you, does that just mess up the whole system? You would think. <laughs> I want to show you why that's not necessarily true today. Have any of you made a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion? I mean, some of you are on the way here today. You know, that the best fights for my wife and I are, always seem to be going to a marriage conference. You know, the best, I mean, she cusses more during marriage conferences going in than any time of the year. She's not here, you can see, so I can make stuff up all day long. Um, she's at a soccer game for my daughter. You know, it, it's like some of you on your way here is like, we got to get that little, you know, thing going. But you lose your temper for a moment, you know, and you make decisions based on it. You know, date the wrong person or for the wrong reason. Maybe some of you today are here with the wrong person and the wrong reasons. I don't know. I hope not. I hope everything's good. You know, you know that one, you made the large purchase. You like that? Let me just assure you, the 65 inches of pure pleasure that sit on my wallet was not the wrong purchase. It was the absolute right purchase, okay? But there are those that were the wrong purchases in my life. And I make emotional decisions. See, here's the thing with that. Here's what I find. Human nature does this. They get emotional. They make a decision. We make a decision. The decision goes south. Who do we blame? God. We never blame us. We never go, oh, I made an emotional decision. Why would God lead me down that path? Why would God let me down like that? I'm like, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have slept with that girl. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was you. Maybe you shouldn't overspent on that house, that car, that whatever. Maybe that wasn't God that got you into debt. Maybe it was you. That's so hard to deal with. So what does God have for me? Our key question of the next four weeks is, is this. What does God want? And what would it look like if he got what he wanted? What does God want in my life, in my marriage, in my career? in my relationships. And, and just what might it look like if God got that? Would it look different than what things look like today? Would the picture be completely different or would it be similar? I, I love this. Craig Groeschel says this. And I want to use these, these two things. God cares about the who before do and the why before the What? Now, I want to break these down because it's so important in our relationship with Jesus and what we do. The who before the do and the why before the what. What does that mean? God cares about the who before the do. God is more concerned with who his son is and who you are becoming than what you're doing. So many of us put what we do on a pedestal. So many of us just, you know, hey, I'm this, or I'm married to this person, or I'm, I've got this car, this money, or whatever it is, and God doesn't care about that stuff. Let me qualify that. God does care about it, but not the way you care about it. What he cares about is his son Jesus being known and who you are becoming. We have this, this church in America today. And, and, and me and my life and, and you and your lives where, where we think just by showing up here twice a month, reading a Bible verse once a week, and saying grace, 
that our lives are going to be transformed. And they're not. And we walk around and we go, hey, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Not necessarily. See, this is the key here. God cares about who before do. The first who is Jesus. God cares that his son is known, that he's proclaimed in this place, that he's proclaimed in your life and mine. It says this in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God gave, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him, talking of Jesus, on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And, every tongue, and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, when we pray before church, you know what we pray? That Jesus would be glorified in this place. When I, when I wake up in the morning and, and, and I go, okay, God, what do you have for me today? That Jesus would be glorified. When you step into your business, when you step into the relationship with your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it might be, when you step into whatever you are doing, that Christ might be glorified. That's what God said. The who before the do. Before I do anything, it's the who of Jesus that is most important. Being a Christian is more than knowing about Jesus. Being a Christian is knowing him personally. There, there's this, there's, I did get into all the details of the words. There's two words for no in the Greek, gnosko and oida. And gnosko is this experiential, I've talked about it before, experiential knowledge. I know Dak because I've experienced life with him. We have, we have eaten together. We have laughed together. Uh, we have gone out together. I wouldn't drink, but I'm sure Dak did. We had drinks together. <laughs> uh, we, we've done life as families together. I, I literally, the word is gnosko. I know him intimately. The other word that's used is oida. And oida means this. One's an experiential knowledge. The other is a, a knowledge of, of, of that you may have read about. When I read about Michael Jordan, I say, oh, I know Michael Jordan. I don't know Michael Jordan. I know of Michael Jordan. And that's what he's talking about here. Have you experienced Jesus? Have you experienced him to a point where your life has changed because of him? Or is he your pocket Jesus that Eddie loves to talk about? You just got a little, little Jesus in your pocket, and you pull him out when you need him. You pull him out when you get in trouble. You pull him out when you, it's, it's the genie in the bottle. You rub the genie in the bottle when you got a problem. See, but Jesus prayed this in John 17, 3. And I can't get away from this. This is Jesus praying for me. It says, this eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. His prayer is that we would have this experiential knowledge with the creator of heaven and earth, with the Savior. Knowing Jesus is not based on what we do. It's who he is. We know this, that because you can't come to church enough for God to be happy with you. You can't pray long enough for God to be happy. I want you to pray long. I want you to come to church. But that's not what this is about. Jesus said this, but God shows his love for us that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said that. And then he says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith that no man should, uh, and that, that not your own doing, it is a gift from God, not as a result from works, so that no one can boast. In other words, he's saying this, there's nothing you can do to earn this relationship with God. You experience it. You walk in it. God changes you. I'll never be good enough to 
except for God's grace. I'll never be holy enough except for by this word and by who God is. See, God's not interested in the do until you figure out the who. Jesus. There's all these people that come to church, and I've preached these messages. Go, do, do. Go to Costa Mesa, and, and what was the thing we're doing? The, the serve Costa Mesa, you know. Go to, go to Bible study. Go to men's group. Go to prayer group. Do, do, do. And you hear this do, do, do. And that's true. But I want you to experience Jesus. See, because that's what changes me. That's what changes you. God cares about the who before the do. The second thing he cares about, the who, who is Jesus. But who are you? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Look at that. Whoa. Got quieter than it was, and it was quiet before. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> You're great. Holiness. If I, I give you one word, holiness. See, God cares about your holiness. What does that mean? What I put before my eyes. What does that mean? What I touch, what I drink, what I smoke, what I, what I do. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Does anybody know what sanctification is? It's a process of becoming more like Christ. It, it is this. When I get saved and I come into this relationship with Jesus, I, 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 he, he makes me right before the Father. And sanctification is this process over my life of becoming more like Jesus. Now, the problem with that is when you read all the statistics on the church and you see what's going on with Christians is that there's not this, this, this track going more towards Jesus. There's this neutrality or this even liberal theology that, that we live in, and, and it looks less like Jesus and more like you. But God's heart is that you would be and I would be sanctified and more like Him. God's will is for you to be holy. What does God want for me? What is God's will for my life? To be holy. To be, you know what that means? It means to be set apart. If I, if I sit you in the middle of your workplace, if I sit you in the middle of, of your, your office space, if I sit you in the middle of your classroom, if I sit you in the middle of, of your, where you socialize, or the game that you went to, the sporting event that you went to, could someone say of you that there's something different about you? You're saying they could? Okay, good. Now everybody else answer the question in their mind's eye. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you go to your job, could someone say of you, gosh, there's just something different. Now that, that's not to say that, you're, you're, you can't, that you haven't been a complete idiot because I can, can be a complete idiot in a situation and, and blow it completely. But is there a, a consistent humility and repentance, a picture of who Jesus is? Is there, is there any fruit in your life that anybody wants to pick and eat? off of? Is there any hope in your life that anybody wants to grab? It's that apple we've preached on. It, they want to grab and they, want to, they just want to eat it off your life because they see the hope in you. Is there, any, is there any contentment in your life that you're not always chasing and looking for the next thing where someone goes, I want, to, I want that. 
See, because what does God want for me? He wants to set me apart from the rest of what I see. Different from the world. God wants you to be more like Jesus. See, the Bible never talks about our careers. It doesn't, it doesn't go into specific details about our careers. Of You need to be this or you need to be that. He's calling us to be more like Jesus. This word, is this, this Romans 12 that says, renew your mind with the washing of the word. It's about becoming more like Jesus. See, the, the reason that, that I need to eat and, and, and dive into this, the word of God, is because it, it changes what I look like. It, it, it changes my complexion. It changes my attitudes, my heart, and my thoughts. And when I don't eat this, when I don't read this, then I'm less like Jesus. God's calling for me to be holy. We don't talk about holiness enough. You know why? Because it's uncomfortable. You know why? Because what I've found as Christians, we're not good at sitting in this place of holiness. Yet the Bible continually says that he's holy. Be holy as I am holy. But we've lost that in the church in many ways. What does God want? He wants to be holy even as he is holy. What would that look like? What would it look like if God got what he wanted in your life? Just take, take a second in knowing what you know. Maybe you don't know anything. I don't, what would it look like if God got what you wanted in your life? What would your sin life look like if God got what he wanted? What would your marriage, your friendships look like if God got what he wanted? What would your job look like if God got what he wanted in your life? How different would your life look? Would you be set apart? Who before do? It's God's will that I'm a pastor. That's secondary in my life. It's God's will that I'm a husband. That's secondary in my life. It's God's will that I'm a father. Secondary. It's God's will that I am a businessman. That you're a businessman. Did you just laugh? Dear Lord, you think this congregation is, is, is paying my bills here? I got a job, baby. I love you guys someday, but <laughs> you seriously laughed at me. Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't say a good businessman. I didn't say a great businessman. I didn't say a good businessman. I just said someone who's out there working the business. I appreciate it. Hey, I work alone, by the way. I just sit there and look pretty. Um, look, all these things are, are secondary. Now, you think about it for a second. You go, wait a second. Being a pastor is secondary? Absolutely. Being a father? Secondary? Absolutely. This doesn't seem to make sense. Being a husband, hopefully some of you are tracking with me. Secondary. Why? Because God's primary goal is not for me to be a pastor. His primary goal is my holiness. More than being a pastor, being a husband, being a father, being a businessman, more than, than, than all of these things, it's God's will that I live a holy life, first and foremost, primarily. Look, I, I know a lot of pastors that, that you look at their lives behind the scenes and you go, Lord, how, 
How can they be a pastor? We have articles after articles and newspaper after newspaper and, and TV after TV where we see these pastors that have crashed and burned and, and done their stuff, whatever their stuff is. And we see these mega pastors and small pastors. And I'm not judging right now. I'm just saying we see these things. I'm going to tell you why it is. Because at some point they thought the primary goal was God had for them was to be a pastor. And they thought the primary goal for them as a pastor was to have this big church or have this whatever it might be. That's what they have thought. As opposed to what God has really called, first and foremost, call them to be holy. Think about it. The pastors that have fallen. And only by the grace of God am I not with them. I'll just be honest. It is not me. It's God's grace. And the moment that I take this and twist it and think that it's about this and not about his holiness, I'm done. See, it's, the moment that you think it's about your marriage or your kids or your business or whatever you think it's about primarily, you've missed it. It's that God's in his sanctification wants his holiness to come out through you. And what you say, it's a hard one. That's a hard one. Hey, coming back from surfing, those guys swore a lot. And I was so offended. <laughs> what you say, your words have value. As a husband or a wife, some of you think, and you see your whole identity in this. The guy goes, no, it's in your holiness. As a, as a businessman or businesswoman or a, or a mother with kids, your whole identity is that I raise these right kids, that I, that I, I take care of them and they have clean clothes and they brush their teeth and, and, and they eat three meals. I don't know who does that, but I've heard that before. And, and, and the, you know, all these things... And that's not what God's calling you to. He's calling you primarily to be holy. And out of your holiness comes these things. And I get it backwards so often. And I chase this and I chase that. And God goes, no, no, no. Chase holiness. Who before do? Go after me. And all these things will be added. Ah, but I love to chase the do. Like many of us, to live faithfully for Jesus. That's the who. To be a fill-in-the-blank, whatever you do. See, that, that's, that's the order that God's called us to in this book. And we're worried about, what has God called me to do? I don't know. He says, be holy. Be holy. Because he knows when you walk in the holiness, when you walk in the truth of his word, when you walk in the fullness of who he is, all these things happen and walk out for you. It says this in Psalm 139, that he's laid out each step before you before one of them came to be. God is so big in his sovereign will for your life and mine, if I'll just walk in the holiness of who he's called me to be, all these things will work out for themselves. It may not look like you think it should look. It may not look like how you want it to look. But I know that I know that I know that God says in his word, when I walk in his holiness, he guides, he directs. Each and every step. Who before the do? 
and the questions that we have, to marry him or marry her, I don't care. Be faithful. To stay in this job or take another job, I don't care. Be faithful to Jesus. Major in elementary ed or pre-med, I don't care. Be faithful to Jesus. And, and, and for years, I've, I've, I've tried to wrestle, wrestle, talk with people about what is your destiny and what is your purpose? And, and I, I come up with all these things and I ask, you know, all these tests and Myers-Briggs and all this stuff. And I've just got to a point where I go, I, just be faithful and be holy and watch what God might do. Watch what he might do. Because God's will is more about who you are than what you do. And in this world, we've got it backwards. What do I do? What do you do? It defines me. Tells me who I am. I goes, no. Your holiness. Your holiness. What does God want? For you to become the right who. Then God will help you choose the right do. When you become the right man that God has called you to be, he'll define what he's called you to do. When you become the right woman that God has called you to be, he'll give you clarity on what he's called you to do. And, 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 and in this tension, it, it's, I got to do, I got to do. No, 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 no. Walk in holiness. And it naturally comes. It naturally comes. Number two, God cares about the why before the what. The why before the what. The who before the do. You should remember this. And the why before the what. And I wish I would have came up with it, but Groeschel did it. I love it. The why before the what. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. Motives matter. The motives of your heart matter. They matter to God. They matter in what you do. And I love this. God's ability to move in your life is greater than your inability to hear. Think about this. God's ability to move you is greater than your inability to hear from him. It's a heart issue. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. How does that look? What does that look like? I know this to be true. I've seen it in our life a million times, Chris and I's life. We were in Austin, Texas, and, and, and our heart was to serve God and, and to plant a church and wherever they wanted us to do this. We, we wanted to plant this church, and, and uh, there was a, a need in uh, Philadelphia. And I flew out to Philadelphia, spoke at this, this group of, I think there's about 60 people and, and uh, these athletes that we were working with, and... and uh, they said, we really want you to, to, to plant this church in Philadelphia, to which Chris was thrilled to go to snow and cold and that way. Not, but but he, we, our heart was in such a place like, God, what do you, whatever you want us to do. And, and, and we said, yes, we'll go there. Our hearts were right. We wanted to serve God in any capacity that we could. And God's ability to move in your life is greater than your inability to hear. We didn't take the time. We didn't hear this clear yes or no from God, we just said, let's go. We're going to go because we want to serve him. And wouldn't you know it, within three months, God completely changed the direction and gave me this picture of that's not what I called you to do and completely shift gears. I literally, so much so, I went to Philadelphia. I bought a house in Philadelphia. Lost some money on that one. Um, and <laughs> bought a house in Philadelphia we were living in an extended stay. She was pregnant with, who were you pregnant with? Hudson, I think. We're living in an extended stay with three other kids. How many do I got? 
One, two, three, Hudson, four, four, three other kids, um, and, and, and get all this craziness going around us. But we're like, God, whatever you want us to do, whatever you want us to do, our hearts were right. And God said, okay, I want to honor that, but I'm going to take you full circle. And that's how we ended up out here. A year and a half later, we moved to California. And some of you are like, I don't know what God has for me. I don't know. You know what? Holiness. Walk in the holiness of who God has called you to be in the sanctification and watch what doors he might open for you. You're so worried about, I'm so worried about where, what direction, this thing, that thing, go here, go there. And God goes, no, 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 no. Just press into me. Press into Jesus. The who? Jesus. And watch what I might do. It's a hard issue. What has God called me to do? It's a hard issue. It's not where. The why before the what. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges our motives. He understands our motives. People are, are this is best shown in our children. It's best shown in us through our children. Because we, we like to tell anecdotes and little stories about our children who, who manipulate and, and are so kind to us when they want something. My children don't do that, so I'm not talking about you guys because you guys would never do that. But these other people's kids that do, you know, when, when they need something, they just, they just, oh, you're so great, Dad, or I love you, Dad, or Mom, or whatever. And, and uh, y- you know, but y- you just know that the, just, there's something. What do you want? And, and I used to think, oh, I, I, I can spot it a mile away. But now I realize God says the same thing to me. I can spot it a mile away. What do you want? I know your motives. I know what you're asking. Because <laughs> here's the reality. There's two reasons for doing something. What sounds good and the real reason. <laughs> Come on. I mean, we're, we're going to be honest. What sounds good, what we tell, and the real reason, the motivation of why I'm doing something. Jesus warned of these practicing righteous acts to be seen by men that, that you know, the, the search my heart. Galatians 1, I am now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. There's this, this people-pleasing spirit that many of us walk in. I just want to make you happy. I just want to make someone happy. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to. God goes, no, 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 no. It's not what I've called you to. Not that I've not called you to make people happy, but listening to what he's called us to. You can't get the right place when you start with the wrong motives. When you start with the wrong, when it's just selfishness, when it's all about me, all consuming, that's the motive to do. You're starting with the wrong motive. You won't do the right what if you're driven by the wrong why. And just stop there for one second and, and think about your relationships, think about your finances, think about your home, think about your job, think about, think about those things and, and apply this question. Am I driven by the why or the what? And, and analyze. Look in the mirror. What does it show? What does that mean? Why before the what? Should I buy a car? Why? Transportation is... Uh, important thing to have, or do I want to make a statement that I can't afford? What? Am I the only one who did that? Okay, good. That's, gosh, I'm not the only idiot. Good. Who else is the idiot out there? <laughs> Thank you. Um, should I post this photo? Why? To honor Christ? 
I draw attention to myself. I, that, that's the one I, I don't understand because I'm a good-looking man, and I should be posting. I should, <laughs> thank you for laughing. I had to get a laugh somewhere. I should be posting all the time. I don't understand. <laughs> Come on, that's kind of funny because um, I know I'm not going to look. And my wife's not laughing, though. Okay. Um, but it's that, yeah, gosh, just post, post, get likes, get likes and stars or whatever. And I don't know. What do they give you? Do they give you stars? They give you like something. You get something. Hearts. Yes. This is, this is the one that most you men struggle with. Buy my wife flowers. Why? Because I love her? I'm going to get lucky tonight. <laughs> I mean, what sounds good and what's the real reason? There's these motives that are underlying, but when we walk in the holiness of who God has called us to be, those motives kind of move to the side. And it's not about what I want to get. It's about what God has called me to do. And this confusion of why I'm here and what I'm supposed to do goes away and dissipates. And, and it comes to this, this clarity of God's holiness in my life that gives me direction. And even if it's in the middle of something I don't want to do, when I walk in the holiness of God and the peace of God, there's this, just this contentment of, okay, you have me here for I don't know how long, but I'm going to walk in the holiness and see what you do. It's crazy. Makes no sense. It's a divine calling of what God has called us to. Why before what? I want to impress you. I want you to like me, validate me, envy me. But I want you to see that I'm, God is pleased with me. God, I want you to please me. See, as, as humans, we're looking for the next thing to please us, the next meal, the next uh, relationship, the next drug, the next what, alcoholic beverage, the next pornography, the next uh, dollar, the next, I don't know, fill it in with 50 other things. And God says this, your holiness is what I'm after. And all those things that you think will satisfy, they don't. In fact, the Bible says, well, they satisfy for a moment. And then they leave you longing and guilty and condemnation. He says, the only thing that satisfies, truly satisfies, is me. And what does God want? He wants my holiness. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. I, I, I've seen it time and time again in my life. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. What are the motives behind what you do? What, you, what you're doing in life? God's will is who before do and why before what. Pleasing God, and this is, this is, pleasing God isn't a few big decisions. It's countless daily decisions of dying to self and following Jesus. It's not this one big, just wave the wand and everything's good. It's this each step that I take, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, 
It's these little steps that change things. It's the, it's the chewing on the word throughout the day and, 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 and allowing it to change me from the inside out. It's the uh, friendship with other Christians and iron sharpening iron. It's, it's the conversations. It's all of these things, these little things that add up to who God has called me to be. That's the church. That's what God has for you. What God has for me. What does God want? What is His divine direction? Who? Who are you and who is Jesus? Before anything that you do. Why? Why do I do what I do? Before I do what I do. You want to know God's divine direction for you? This is the foundation. And over the next four weeks, I, I want to kind of unpack, but I just start right here. This is the foundation. Who am I? Where am I going? What does God have for me? Look, if anybody, Christians should be crystal clear, crystal clear on what God has for them. And if anybody says, I don't know what God has for you, you've completely missed what this word says. Because the answer is the simplest, holiness. What does God have for me? To be holy as he is holy. What does God want for me? To be holy as he is holy. What does God want for me? A new car. What does God want for me? A new house. No, 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 no. He, all those things are good, and I've seen God give them generously. What does God want for my life? He wants holiness. And in that holiness is contentment and peace and hope. Not in all the other things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this, this time this morning, God. I thank you for your son Jesus who some 2,000 years ago died on a cross so that we could be forgiven, that we can walk in the fullness of, of knowing him. God, I pray that, that for each of us the who would be number one, who Jesus is and who you've called us to be before we do anything, Father God. God, I pray that when we leave this place today that, that, that the church would start, that, that the hope of Christ Jesus would go forth where we work, where we play, where we do life, Father. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.